Episode of the Outback Cast. I'm Steve Cuffin. Not sitting with me, but kind of telecommuting in today. We've got Steve Coleman, a man who looks wonderful in a sports coat. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing well. It's only our fourth. Uh, it is. Well, it's kind of weird because we did the wrestling ones and we count those as halves. But yeah, this is technically only our fourth. All right. Well, it's great to be here. Yeah, it's very surprising because if if Optimism Vaccine is one thing, it's consistent. I mean, we have that really consistent content schedule that we just stick to rigorously, so it's totally weird that we don't do more of these, don't you think? It's bizarre. And uh, not sitting alongside Steve, but uh, kind of floating around in this digital lobby we got going here, is um, a man who's broadcasting live from his parents' garage, uh, and it's none other than Mark Marin. Mark, how you doing? Lock the gates! <laughs> Lock the gates! <laughs> hey, I thought you... Me and my girlfriend... <laughs> Yeah, I was talking to Lenny Bruce the other day, and... <laughs> Ooh, why do I hear power tools? Mark, are you in a sexual torture dungeon? What? What about Prancer? What is going on? My, sorry, that was, my mom was uh, bearing the lead right there. Um, <laughs> the, um, so you are in a sexual torture dungeon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so uh, Optimus Vaccine, um, podcast number four, is interrupting my family Christmas. Um, But my mom uh, just uh, gave me a contribution for our leading topic, which I can let you introduce, Steve, once you're ready. Sure. We're going to be talking about Christmas movies, but specifically Christmas movies that don't hold up or just flat out suck. And uh, yeah. other Steve, you actually brought this to uh, to our attention. So do you want to talk about what you were watching the other day? Ernest Saves Christmas. No a good. childhood favorite. A no childhood good, huh? favorite. No good. No good at all. Um, I was actually very surprised. I figured that, you know, it probably wouldn't be as good as it was 25 years ago when I was four years old. But um, it's really bad. Like, there is just... <laughs> It's it's unbelievable how bad this movie is. Um, for the premise, just really quickly, um, Santa Claus is he has to go to Orlando, Florida, because he's over a hundred years old. And as per the story, every <laughs> hundred a lot years, of older people go to go to Florida. <laughs> it's clear they're filming there because it's where they get like their tax breaks and stuff. Like there's no reason to be in Orlando. But uh, he has to go get the new Santa Claus, his replacement Santa Claus. And obviously nobody believes that he's the real Santa Claus, so he gets arrested. Uh, The guy who's supposed to be the new Santa Claus is this aspiring actor who has like a shitty agent who's like a real asshole to the real Santa Claus. He's the one who gets him arrested. Ernest gets involved somehow because he's a cab driver. And uh, he transports Santa Claus all over the place. And, um, yeah, it, um, like, I can't even believe I thought that this was funny when I was four or five years old. Like, it's that low brow. What goes wrong? How how can it go wrong with Ernest? You weren't the only one. I mean, it's funny because Ernest Saves Christmas is, is like, that and, like, the jail one are, like, the filet of the Ernest 
franchise. Really? Like, what about Ernest Goes to Camp? Um, also, <laughs> I believe uh, you're both underplaying the value of Ernest Scared Stupid. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, talking, cons- I'm talking consensus here. Like, Ernest Saves Christmas, I thought was, like, everybody's favorite if they had to pick one of those, but... Yeah, that, I, I, I'd say you're right. That and Goes to Jail seems to be the, uh, you know, upper echelon. Yeah. I mean, Ernest Goes to Jail, as far as, like, my, my top movies of Africa? all time... It's uh, Ernest goes to jail. Is it's right behind Medea goes to jail. Ernest goes to Africa. Is not watchable. No, it's not. I had a weird phase in like freshman year of college and a little bit after where I was collecting them all on VHS and DVD. Oh Jesus! But, ne- but like never watching them unless somebody was like, "Let's just watch Ernest goes to Africa," and then you, you realize that like it was made for nobody to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and when you look at Ernest Goes to Africa, my first knowledge of it I mean, was when I was in college and I was looking up old Ernest movies. Like, I didn't know that that movie existed when I was, uh, when I was a kid, which really says how shitty it is because if, you know, five-year-old me who loves Ernest doesn't know that Ernest Goes to Africa exists, that's a problem. Right, and uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention Slam Dunk Ernest. I was just ah. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Ernest plays basketball. I couldn't think of the name of it, but that one sucks ass, too. With Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, it was like... That's since airplay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, what what really... What goes wrong in Ernest Saves Christmas? I obviously... I haven't seen it in probably 10 or 15 years. What what makes it so much worse than you remember it? It's just... It's not funny. (laughs) Like, at all. Like, it's just not funny. Um, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, like, I seem to remember, like, in most Ernest movies, at least the ones that were released theatrically, there's always, like, that kind of, like, heavier set guy, and there's the really skinny guy who's, like, this sidekick who looks like he doesn't have any teeth. Yeah, 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 like, the villainous guys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, like, in this movie, they're working at the airport, and they're a little, with all, like, the luggage that gets lost on planes, and so they're responsible for all these crates that have all the reindeer. And that's where all the antics sort of happen, sort of like the lighthearted mo- moments in the movie. Because mm-hmm. that's what kind of bothered me about Ernest Saves Christmas is like the Santa Claus shit is pretty dark, and it's, <laughs> it's very like I don't know. It's it's there's not like a feel good thing to it. I mean, obviously, except for the end when he finally accepts the fact that he's the new Santa Claus and does his thing. But the, mm-hmm. he's the new Santa Claus, like I said, is an actor. And there's okay. a scene in the movie where he's filming this Christmas movie around Christmas time. Very metafictional. <laughs> I know, Jim Varney. <laughs> yeah. The great auteur. Coke-sniffing so, auteur. It's <laughs> how so this actor is acting in this movie. It's like a Christmas scene with his kids, and they go to bed to wait for Santa. But it turns out he's filming a horror movie, and there's this, like creature from the Black Lagoon type Christmas monster that comes and attacks him and he tries to shoot him and the line he's supposed to give is you son of a and he he can't say bitch because he's too wholesome and too good. So he was going to fail as an actor anyway. Oh jeez. And uh, (laughs) I don't know like he's so conflicted about wanting to be Santa Claus and like even if he clearly thinks this guy is crazy Clearly, you're not going to be making it as an actor if you can't say "son of a bitch." Is this Jim Varney commenting on his own com- uh, career subtly, <laughs> not so I, subtly? I think there is a little meta commentary. It's like, hey, I don't have to swear. 
It's sort of like Will Smith doesn't have to swear in his raps. Mm-hmm. Or Bill Cosby in his or Bill Cosby in his stand-up. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you could be a, a wholesome comedian like Jim Varney or Bill Cosby. Just <laughs> wholesome. Yep. And you can either be dead or it can either come out that you're this, well, we don't need to get into that, I guess. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Next podcast. Uh it's interesting, too, that you mentioned his two sidekick guys, because I kind of forgot about them. But, yeah, Fat Guy and No Teeth Man. Uh, and they're, like, they're, like, uh, they're like the not-so-politically-outspoken Penn and Teller. Yeah, what, is, what does their career look like? Are they dead? Can we get, I'm going to bring up some IMDb here to figure out what's, uh, what's going on with them. I can tell you they're both still alive. Well, that's um, good. <laughs> what is what is life after Ernest for them though? Because that was their thing. They were like the Rob Schneider to Ernest's Adam Sandler, you know, just this bit player. Well, no, Without like the, the other, the non-teeth guys actually has like his own Wikipedia page. He hasn't done anything besides Ernest movies. Uh, his last film appearance was Ernest Goes to School, which was in <laughs> 1995, I think, which was straight to VHS. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Pre-DVD era. Um, and apparently he's just this guy who lives in Nashville, and he's super Christian, and that's about it. Okay, I'm going to pitch something to you, okay? Tell me what you guys think. Let's pretend, alternate universe, Jim Varney is still alive, or we're able to reanimate Jim Varney's corpse. Oh, don't tease me. So, live stage adaptation of the Oscar Wilde classic, The Importance of Being Earnest, starring Jim Barney. <laughs> what do you think? And then we film it, and it's kind of like a Birdman thing going on. Yeah. A lot of jazz drums. Sure. And, like, that fat guy who's in the movies, like, all of a sudden he can't do the eye dart thing that he does whenever he's, like, confused or scared. Oh, yeah, there you go. There I you think, go. I think that, that would do well That's on a his, Kickstarter. His struggle. So he gets the Oscar for this movie. Mm-hmm. For Best Supporting Actor, Jim Varney gets snubbed. Um, I'm thinking way too far ahead. So, so you're thinking... This, uh, is, this, is, uh, this is the kind Ernest of forward goes, thinking we need. Yeah. Like, Ernest goes into re- semi-retirement? I <laughs> uh, hear franchise. Um, Ernest contemplates his own existence. I'd watch that. <laughs> well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the one that my, my mom chimed in with. Um... She, she heard me. She heard me saying that we're going to be talking about Christmas movies that sucks, and um, she suggested this. I'm guessing it's because she knows I don't like it, but she loves it, and it's, <laughs> it's Prancer. The fuck you is Prancer? Something, you want to know something interesting? Sorry to interrupt, but uh, Prancer and Ernest Saves Christmas both came out in '89. Those were the two <laughs> only Christmas movies that came out that year. Oh, fun fact. It's 1989, uh, a horrible year for Christmas movies. What so, is what is Prancer? I don't even Prancer, know what Prancer is. Prancer is like this uh, Hallmark movie that made it like made it past like the the point that most Hallmark movies make it. And, and uh, Sam Elliott's in it, I think, um, mm-hmm. the Marble Man. Uh, and it's basically about like people not believing in reindeer, but really reindeer exist. Well, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> And no, they're all just caribous. <laughs> yeah, you might be surprised about this fact, but it takes place in a small uh, Midwestern town where only white people exist. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, it's a Christmas movie. Christmas is for white people. 
Yeah, that movie's trash. But um, does uh, does Sam uh, Elliott save Christmas? Does he, you know, tell everybody play, about the plays, reindeer? He plays the curmudgeon that turns soft because mm. that's what his career is. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of his thing. Does Sam Elliott ride a reindeer at any point? <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm not sold on it then. Well, what about prancer, um, is that the titular prancer from uh, Santa's sleigh? <laughs> now there's a holiday movie, Santa's Sleigh, starring Bill Goldberg and Chris Kattan and Fran Drescher. Is this your se- is this the segue? This could be. You just made it a segue, Steve. A partial segue. Unless Sean, do you do you want to do you want to talk more about Prancer? I don't want to cut you off. Uh, absolutely, absolutely not. Okay. Well, fuck Prancer. But hey, Santa's Sleigh. Fuck 1989. Yeah. Fuck 1989. Bad year. Bad year. Uh, Santa Slay, for the uninitiated, is, um, I think it's a 2005 horror movie starring former pro wrestler Bill Goldberg uh, as Santa Claus, and it kind of takes place in a world where Santa Claus is actually an evil dickhead who <laughs> likes to kill people, and he doesn't have any reindeer. He's got, like, this babe the blue ox thing. Like, literally, it's like a fucking big blue ox, and it, it drags his sleigh around. Uh... Now, it's a pretty paint-by-numbers horror movie. Decent production values. But the thing that really puts it over the top for me is the opening scene of the movie is kind of like this Christmas dinner party with this family where there's Chris Kattan, who's incredibly annoying, Fran Drescher, <laughs> incredibly annoying. Bill Goldberg Santa comes down the chimney, kills the shit out of the whole family in the first five minutes. So if you want me to like your movie, a good start is immediately killing Fran Drescher and Chris Kattan. <laughs> Just a little pro tip there. <laughs> now, the movie that I watched this year, and I actually uh, I live tweeted it for my hundreds, hundreds of adoring Twitter fans. And by hundreds, I mean literally like 200. That's it. Uh, <laughs> I watched a movie. It's it's actually a sequel to a 90s Christmas movie that I enjoyed quite a bit. That I went uh, to, to last night. That you went to what? It's, you went, I went to, to sleep, sleep too? too last okay. night. Yeah. You, you kind of partially cut off there. It's, it sounded like you said you went to shit too. <laughs> <laughs> like you had a big one brewing, so you just popped it into the portable DVD oh, player. Oh, I thought and you just meant kind of figur- sat it out. I thought you meant, I thought you meant but, like figuratively, like I just like broke down. <laughs> that's, a, that's a billion dollar idea though for movie theaters. What? Just like you sit on a toilet? Like and a nice toilet's in the auditorium, so you never have to leave. Then you have to like whisper to your friends, "What did I miss?" That would be great. And maybe, like, some tubes that drop out of the ceiling and they just kind of, like, pump slushy and popcorn into your gut. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, down Stuck on it? No, kind of like um, those, those things you use to, feed, to uh, give hamsters water, like one of those, and it just kind of drops right. down. Or, like, you know, to feed ducks to make foie gras. Yeah, like that, exactly. Yeah. That would be perfect. AMC, are you listening? Million-dollar ideas. Uh-oh. Is that a garage door, or has there been a police raid on your sex dungeon? That's, that's a Donald Trump coming to give us a check. Um, you, sorry about that, guys. No, it's, it's, it's fine. You're, you're really giving us a sense of place here. I feel like I'm listening to an NPR segment. Um, <laughs> before I get into the, uh, the Jingle All the Way sequel, <clears throat> I think it's important to talk about, real quick, who's not here today. So we're going to have Adam Myros on. He wanted to do the podcast with us. And today we, he had the day off, uh, so he was scheduled to, you know, 
join us. He texted me at about 8 a.m. this morning, and uh, he said he wasn't sure if he was going to make it. And I asked him why. I asked him what was going on. You know, the guy, uh, when he makes an appointment, he normally keeps it. Here's what Adam Myros did last night. So he got really drunk, uh, you know, as he tends to do. And uh, apparently, because he's susceptible to peer pressure, he was going to take the 1 a.m. bus home. But a bunch of people that he was with, uh, they said, no, no, you gotta, you got to stay out with us, Adam Myros. And Adam is, he's, I like to think of him as the Mark Slaughter of Seattle, you know, of the band Slaughter, up all night, sleep all day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyways, he stays out drinking all night and then drinks until the sun comes up, gets on a 6 a.m. bus, vomits everywhere, passes out in his vomit, and then passes out until the bus hits the end of the line. Traffic Wilburys. Yeah, and there you go. So yeah, a little bit slaughter, a little bit traveling, Wilburys, 100% Adam Myros, right there. Wow. So, anyways, let's talk a little bit about Jingle All the Way to <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think you just presented a nice metaphor for it. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like passing out on public transportation in your own vomit. Is I it, would actually, I would rather the <coughs> seat that Adam Myro sits on and pukes on at 6 in the morning than watch Jingle All the Way 2 again. That's how I feel about the movie. So it was kind of like the first one passed out in its own vomit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way of describing it. So, Adam Myros, the person, normally, or the drunk person, very nice, love to be around him, great guy to hang out with. But, Adam Myros passed out in a pool of his own vomit on public transportation, not something I want to be near. And that's how it works. Right. Uh, Jingle All the Way 2 is basically uh, the exact same story from the original Jingle All the Way, except they sat down with a little checklist and they said, well, we can't afford any of this. So how can we cut every cost imaginable? So in order to do this, they go from the beautiful city of Minneapolis to middle of fucking nowhere Midwest. Uh, they, they remove Arnold Schwarzenegger and Phil Hartman and replace them with uh, Larry well, the fair. Cable Guy and some guy I've never heard of before with a special guest appearance by former wrestler Santino Morella. And nothing really happens. The, the whole thing is Larry the Cable Guy, all the women in the town want to fuck Larry. That's kind of a big part of this movie. Everybody wants to fuck him, like sexually, not like, you know, screw him over. They really want to fuck him. All these women do. So he's trying to deal with all these women that want to fuck him. At the same time, he wants his daughter's love, not sexually in this case. And in order to gain that love, he thinks he has to get her this, uh, this bear, this popular bear. Now, evil stepdad, who is rich... Buys all the bears in town because this is this is like a town of five thousand white people with six toy stores. Buys all the bears from all the toy stores, and then Larry the Cable Guy can't get the bear. So how's his daughter gonna love him? It's a big problem. And one of the women that wants to have sex with Larry says, "Hey Larry, why don't you use eBay or Amazon?" And Larry, you know, Larry says, "Larry goes, no, they can't ship it here fast enough because we live in a world where you can't overnight ship anything. That doesn't work." Uh, the Post Service is actually, it's um, its similar to that movie, The Postman, starring uh, 
What's his face? I'm blanking. Kevin, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Thank you. Everybody, everybody rides horses. Anyway, so Larry can't get the bear. What's he going to do? Bunch of shenanigans occur. And in the end, it turns out that the bear doesn't matter. His little girl just wanted his family to be together for Christmas. It's fucking beautiful. Huh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the problem, it, it's, it's got a lot of earnest problems, I, I would imagine. None of the jokes really work, and most of the jokes are about poop. So, <laughs> as an Ernest P. Whirl, not earnest problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got some earnest problems. Which, if, by the way, I need to, uh, I just need to backtrack quick. Prancer came out 89, Ernest Saves Christmas was 88. I was wrong. Mm. So it was it was more like a shit streak then, just you know, one year to the next. Yeah, so within that calendar year, only two Christmas movies came out. Unbelievable. Still counts. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Uh yeah, there's there's not really much to say other than that. Just uh, you know. Fuck well, that speaking movie. of uh speaking of, of sequels that um sort of the tactic the Christmas sequel where the tactic is to sort of like um just copy the former. Mm-hmm. Uh how do you guys feel about Home Alone Two? Ooh, I I like it. Obviously, it's not as good as the first one, but it's certainly a lot better than the third. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I think you go to a movie like Home Alone expecting that formula, though. So the fact that mm-hmm. it copies that formula didn't bother me because that's actually exactly what I expected. Um, I would have expected that as a thirty-year-old. I expected it as a seven or eight year old right yeah no I'm with you guys it wasn't until like the third or fourth where it completely jumped the shark and did like the small budget thing like it sounds like Jingle Bay 2 did can we, can we back it up for a second there's a fourth Home Alone oh yeah French Stewart <laughs> yep <laughs> French Stewart as the villain I yeah, can't well, I don't think the villainous called... French Stewart I, I, I want to say it's not called Home Alone 4 but it's like a subtitle Homer Aloner. Yeah, and that was a straight to that was a television movie too, I think. Oh lord, it was like it was like two. I think it's two home, two alone. Ah, there we go. And then you add the two together. That makes sense. In the end, Vin Diesel saves Kevin by just crashing his car through the front of the house. (laughs) That's perfect. Or maybe it's 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 Home Alone, but like the N, they make a four instead of an N, so you kind of know it's Home Alone four. (laughs) That's a fun way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I will say about Home Alone 2, excellent use of product placement to sell a toy. Who did not want a fucking talk boy after oh, watching yeah. that? Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, classic, classic. I just I just wanted to uh, steal my father's credit card after that. That's that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> it was yeah, so that's easy. A good point. Credit good card, point. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good way to mix up it's a good way to mix up a sequel that's just doing the same thing as the first one. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of memorable things that happen in the second one that I think hold up, at least as far as like decent memories. Yeah, of the film. yeah, like that fucking pigeon lady, and you know, uh, what else? And you got there? Tim Curry. You got Tim, yeah, you got Tim Curry. You got Tim Curry. Lady. But you know, it, it does it does the thing that a lot of good sequels do. Um, Don't where they Rob okay. Schneider. Oh yeah, Rob Schneider isn't that? It um, it it looks at the formula and says, okay, this works, and it just kind of raises the stakes, which is fine. You know, it works. Uh, the one thing I don't like is the uh, the hokey, like toy store owner man. Oh yeah, who's a little yeah. bit kind of kind of a creeper. Yeah, take these turtle doves. They represent <laughs> friendship. <laughs> you fuck off, you little creep. That guy was way better as the demented owner of the Cubs and Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
the late Eddie Bracken. Which another yeah. thing is too. I mean, obviously, with our within our age group, we probably love both of those movies. So then there's there's it's it's just weird. There's this disconnect that occurs. Like Turtle Doves Man is evil owner of the Cubs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> must have been it must have strained our young minds. Oh, what's Uh-oh. going on there? Is it construction time? It's uh, it's NPR. Do your NPR voice, Sean. <laughs> Mount Pleasant, Michigan is just like any other town in small-town America. Here, the construction workers bang away at concrete and... <laughs> this is no, great. It's like, uh... it's like cereal, almost. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, all three of us are in a different um... state. There's nowhere I can go right now in in my house, like I'm in the garage, mm-hmm. where I won't have somebody around. No, it's it's okay. It's uh, it's so, it's very classic radio. Gives it a real sense of uh, of banging on walls. That's it. Really gives. Yeah, I don't. My dad was literally hammering on the wall, so like I couldn't I couldn't have chosen like a time where he would have. Uh huh. It's just like a time where I didn't think he would. Your dad, or is that old St. Nicholas up on the rooftop, Sean? <laughs> Whoa! Do I hear reindeer? Is that Prancer? Oh, <laughs> it must be. A dancer and, and Jim and Frank. Cheese. Who are the other ones? Cheese Blinson. Cheese Blinson. <laughs> okay. Ronnie Sammy and Frank. He's in the backyard. This is wonderful. This is the most exciting podcast. All you fuckers doing a podcast or you in a studio, yeah, you can step to this. Go interactive, trust me. Mm-hmm. We're all um, in a different state. All in a different state, all in different environments. I have a fever. I'm fucking delirious here. This is wonderful. Should, should I, we should we move past Christmas movies? Yeah. It's, it's, it's time we got beyond Christmas, Sean. Yeah. We need to think of the true reason for the season. Or, or as I like to call it, the holidays. The holidays, that's right. Uh, and well, the the true reason for the season is, uh, in my mind at least, is talking about how big of a pile of shit Christopher Nolan is. Can we talk about him? <laughs> Segway of the year. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to, sure. Yeah. No. I um, uh, when you when you say Christopher Nolan, like when I just think of him, like not directing a movie and just like doing his daily whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I just picture him with, uh, like. A glass of or, or a mug of tea and literally like eating crumpets. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some some cold English estate that's all drafty and he lives alone and he's got some like old ass maid that comes in and she's like, Mister Nolan, <laughs> would you like your tea? And he's like, yeah. Agatha, I'm writing. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically Bruce Wayne without the superpowers. Exactly. Yeah, he's or, Bruce. He's Bruce Wayne without the Batman. That's exactly what he is. Although is I think this? Bruce Wayne's a little more fun. And Bruce Wayne, I know for a fact, Bruce Wayne has had a conversation with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you mean so, that, that isn't his daughter? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I yeah, a little, little bit cold. Not the most emotional guy. Yeah. That tends to come through in his movies a little bit. Just 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 a smidge. Yeah. Yeah. Or as I as I refer to them, the uh, Dead Wives Club box set. <laughs> the Dead Wives, Christopher Nolan's Dead Wives Club. That'd be a fun trading card game. You just gotta collect them. Is that with Ben <laughs> Mittler and uh, Diane Keaton? 
Uh, the, I, I, yeah, I assume those are those are the ones that he's referencing uh, mm-hmm. in his movies. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, the Dead Wives Clubs. It's actually a movie where uh, Christopher Nolan reanimates the the dead corpse of Bette Midler. Okay. <laughs> and then so you have zombie Bette Midler, and her job as a zombie, she doesn't want to eat brains. Her goal is to walk around and find heroic, rugged men to make look good. <laughs> it's the ultimate Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Starring Christian Bale. Yeah, starring Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Who's lost a hundred pounds again? Yeah. <laughs> but he did. Just chain smoking cigarettes and eating apples all day. That's how he does it. Cutting weight. Yeah, yeah you give so, me a sack of apples, I'll lose like forty pounds in a week. So uh Steve Coleman, have you seen um Interstellar? Uh well it's my favorite it's my favorite um incubus song. <laughs> ah <laughs> So I don't know why you guys are so hard on it. You're right. Uh, it's it's Brandon Boyd. He looks so good without his shirt on. I'm jealous. I just want to staple a shirt to him so I feel better about myself. I would I gar- meet him in outer space you, any day. <laughs> I guarantee you if you say Incubus loud enough, um, that will be the next movie. That, that that will be the title of Christopher Nolan's next movie. I could see it being like at least Incubator. Right. <laughs> that works. It's it's about a post-apocalyptic future where um, Christopher Nolan kills all the women. <laughs> and then they just they make babies in test tubes, and that's what it's about. <laughs> but what does that mean for society? Asked Chris Nolan. Well, no sense of humor, first of all. No, no. And what if you could incubate a baby within a baby? Have you ever <laughs> thought about that? Ooh, pregnant baby. Ah. And that's the twist. It's actually a sequel to Junior. What a twist. <laughs> Um, but uh, back to Interstellar. Not that we're not talking very much <laughs> about Interstellar. Um, but uh, I wanted to, um, since Myros can't be here, I wanted to do a poll quote from an email <clears throat> where um, he gri- he was griping about Interstellar mm-hmm. and said that uh, the script somehow felt it was written by both robots and in crayon. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect way to sum it up. Yeah, yeah, because it's like the most, um, it's the most sterile dialogue, like everybody is like, oh, Matthew McConaughey, he's on this streak and he's so charismatic, mm-hmm. and I agree, I agree, like, whatever, like, I, I don't know how much I like what he's, like, the actual text he's been in recently, but I like him, and, uh, sure, but like, everybody's like, oh yeah, I'll see it for Matthew McConaughey, but like, I really, I, like, you could forget that it's Matthew McConaughey, um, he doesn't really have much room for charisma here um, because everything's mm-hmm. so sterile. And then at the same time, uh, the Crayola part comes in because, well, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, and it just feels like a kid who just, like, dumped out a box of Crayola and is just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah, playing connect the dots between crayons. Now, wasn't mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg originally supposed to direct this? Yes, yeah, which... Makes it kind of interesting because I feel like because Steven Spielberg, you know, he, he could really put emotion and, and kind of whimsical things into his movies that are kind of – he's good at teasing out childlike wonder, which Christopher Nolan cannot do. So I think in the hands of Spielberg, this would, would have been a much more competent and shorter movie. Right, and you could see it in the beginning. Like it's the classic, <laughs> it's the classic like um, uh, Spielberg-type setup 
um, you know, like Signs did the same thing, where it, uh, it was basically like pulling off of like Close Encounters and all that. Sure, sure. Or uh, uh, what was it? J.J. Abrams when he did Super 8, that was exactly, him yeah, trying, to, yeah. trying to do his Spielberg impersonation. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, that'll take you, like, if you're interested in, like, actually doing that, that'll take you, like, a, a little bit further than Interstellar. Like, Interstellar's clearly not interested in that. Yeah. And, and, like, dumps that whole, like, I don't know, that whole father-daughter, like, emotion. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. not, I don't know, like that. Like I said uh, in the Optimism Maxine piece that I wrote, like that's just sort of like the bookend. So it comes off as like, oh yeah, Spielberg did it for like the first 15 minutes and it was kind of fun when they were chasing that airplane and that was like a sense of whimsy, or I should say drone. Um, mm-hmm. th- that was like a bit whimsical. And then um, from there it seems like Nolan was just like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Time for science, bitches. Time, time for these guys to come up to like some stupid underground NASA station that nobody knows about. <laughs> well, yeah, except for you know, if if you decide that the dust on the floor <laughs> is binary code, which is then coordinates, then you can find it. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Total. I mean, that was my first thought. I was like, yeah, that's that's where this is going. That's what this is. Yeah, it's the way it's explained is like it's very much like jumping, um, like like it doesn't explain it at all. Like um, so, there's lines of dust, and he's like, no, 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 this is binary. After his daughter, er, after he mansplains to his daughter that it's not a ghost, um, <laughs> it it's like, yeah, yeah, this is binary, and she's like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Like, what do you? Yeah, it's like fucking do? why? What, how did you come to that conclusion, you asshole? And, yeah, and it's like okay, um, for like. For what, like a like a blog about Minecraft? Like you're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> and and then um, somehow they don't explain this, but he just pulls out of that binary geographical locations. Maybe that's something you can do, and I just don't understand binary code or whatever. Hey, Chris uh, would be happy to sit down and tell you all about it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm surprised he didn't spend time to tell you about it. In the no, me too. Uh, yeah, that might have ended up on the cutting room floor. We'll have to watch the director's cut. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, the whole movie is just, God, it's such a fucking drag. And the other thing that drove me nuts is it really felt like a movie that was created so that people on internet forums wouldn't yell at Christopher Nolan about how wrong his science is. Like yeah, it was, it was, it was like a movie made for Neil deGrasse Tyson or something. Like that's where is he? That's by his the audience. Way? How come he hasn't chimed in yet? He has. He has. Oh, he has. He has. Whoops. Yeah. Did you did you <laughs> not see Christopher Nolan's steely erection from like a thousand miles away when NGD was like, yes, it's um, it's uh, very scientifically accurate. Yeah. Have you not been reading Salon for the past two months? <laughs> Um, I guess I've been checked out. Sorry, guys. That's no, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I envy you. Um, <laughs> I've been following yeah. the Bill Cosby thing too much. It's probably why. Uh, no, but like I approached the movie, I guess, with like s- sort of like, um, like I didn't think it was the type of movie for me, but I was like excited to like, I guess, like uh, be there and and experience it. Sure, sure. But it's much less taxing if you just sort of like approach it like if you if you just like watch it at arm's length and and um you can kind of see how silly some of the dialogue is. Mhm. Or like for some reason when he comes up to the black dude who's on the who, who's like the super smart 
dude on his team, and for some reason, like, he, he tells him something about, like, the Earth, and then, like, takes his headphones out, and the... <laughs> And the guy just like looks at him like he just told him like 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 he just told him the day he was gonna die like, in the future, <laughs> and then he walks away like he's Denzel who just blew blew up a building or something. <laughs> yeah, there's just there's so many little things you know, and and uh, oh, what's the other one that I was just groaning in the theater? Um, oh, when the the whole black hole thing. So Coop is supposed to be this brilliant scientist. <laughs> and then at some point he just he just turns into a hayseed for thirty seconds. Just like, well, it's black hole. And then uh, the, the other guy is like, well, let me draw it out for you on this piece of paper. So clearly, you <laughs> he know, drew this a is... circle and folded it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is for an uh, this is for the audience if they're fucking right. slack jawed idiots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, why? How are you explaining this to a guy? If you get all the way to the black hole in space, like several galaxies <laughs> away, and we then you have to, to explain, you. yeah. Oh, nobody told you what this thing was. Here, let me let me break it down. Like, what the fuck? It's asinine. And you know, I'm a big fan of movies that are just. You know, they, they shoot for the stars and they just fucking are a giant mess. So something like Aronofsky's The Fountain is bad. It's a bad movie. But I like it because it's 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 a big mess. It's a big fucking mess. So at least it tried hard. And this it, it doesn't even it's not even a big mess. It's just dead. It's just three hours of just a big flaccid cold dick flopping around. Yeah, I mean like um like like I mentioned, um it is one of like it's one of the movies that will say you're one of the best blanks we've ever had. Um, like for this, it's the pilot. So, um, which is tantamount to saying like his test charts or, or his test scores are totally off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, I mean, for Nolan, like I like as much as I disdain him, like I characterize him as somebody who I would think would think he's above that, and. Mm-hmm. So so what how do you guys think that, that that those types of lines happen for someone who like him, Nolan and his idiot brother <laughs> probably like talk about how they like toil over the script but then they write things like well you got to come fly the plane or the spaceship cuz you're the best one we've ever had Yeah my guess is is they come up with these big broad ideas and then they just sort of fill in the dialogue afterwards, and they don't really think about how the dialogue informs the overall story. So what you end up doing is you get into a problem where they're sitting around working out this script, and they're probably like, oh, shit, well, why is Coop doing this in the first place? And then that's just their quick fix that they never go back and flesh out. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. A lot of, that's the thing. His Conceptually, his movies are so big sometimes that, um, the the little things that make movies engaging kind of get they get lost, um, and and you see that in Inception, which I thought was a much better movie than Interstellar, but it still has a lot of the same problems where you have these cold characters that don't communicate like normal human beings. Uh, right. You get that you get that in Batman. You get that in basically all of his movies. You just have people who don't talk like people, and sometimes depending on the movie. It works, or it's not that bad. But with something like Interstellar, it just it really stuck out, and it was absolutely fucking grating. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe we can talk. Maybe we can approach it this way. Like, what do you guys think that Christopher Nolan does well? I think he's he well. He does two things well. One, he can make a movie look really damn pretty. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. 
Uh, his movies look good. Two, he can somehow, and I, I don't know how he's done this, but he's been successful enough where he can bring kind of smarter-than-average action movies to a mainstream audience and do well. So the fact that like a movie like Inception made a lot oh, yeah, of money sure. is really sure. cool because that says to me, even if I don't love Inception, if I just think Inception's okay, that's fine because... You know what? I'd rather have studios putting money into directors who want to make smart movies like Inception as opposed to 27 movies that are like Transformers. So mm-hmm. if, if it, if it kind of changes the idea of what a summer blockbuster can be, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And um, I, I know, Sean, you mentioned this in um, your review of Interstellar. Um, my favorite film of his is The Prestige. Um, and I... I don't know what it is about that film. I don't know how he does it or what he does, but there's a clear... Like, I know I'm watching a Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be annoying, or sometimes it's kind of like, I know I can go in expecting it to be uh, enough of an intellectual exercise where I'm not totally wasting my time. Um, that being said, I find that really annoying, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that that movie, like that movie, is it's fun. It's about magic, mm-hmm. um, and it's about magic. I mean, Inception and Interstellar, you could say, are about magic, like abstractly, but like it's about magic in a way that like appreciates the playfulness and the the sort of wonder about about magic. Whereas something like Inception and Interstellar, especially, are very much about like the science of it and. Um, there's like actual times where you laugh at or with um, the prestige instead of at it. Yeah. Uh, and you know the prestige didn't have to rely on a uh, a humor robot to make its jokes, <laughs> which is kind of Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's good at like he's good at creating creating these like worlds that like no, that other people might only be able to like barely like imagine, I guess, and he's he's good at like conceptualizing those. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always at the expense of what he's creating them for. Exactly. Like the, yeah, yeah. There's never like a point that's like, like I mean, I hate I I would say I know I sound probably really elitist, but something like like Tarkovsky's like Stalker or something like that is like this this crazy world, but it's for mm-hmm. or like Solaris the same way. It's like it's for something. Like he's trying to tell a story, an emotional story through this. Whereas mm-hmm. Nolan's movies. He w- he would probably like think that he's doing the same thing, but it, it always seems like it's at the expense of those emotional um, points. Yeah, which is and it's interesting you mentioned Tarkovsky too because um, I uh, I'm probably in the minority here, but I really like Steven Soderbergh's remake of uh, Solaris. Solaris. Yeah, yeah, I like it uh, because it, it doesn't do as well of a job of of world building the way Tarkovsky does, but it really I think does a good job of distilling down the message of the movie and just making it about the characters and stuff like that. Now imagine, imagine if Christopher Nolan tried to remake Solaris, what would that movie be? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's the, what's the sequence in 2001 that everybody keeps comparing the sequence in Inception to? It's called something, you know, like the crazy 2001. Oh, um, shit. I don't, I don't know the actual name of it, but I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I literally fell asleep during that in Inception. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, well, with Interstellar, 
all the 2001 comparisons that it's getting, it's just it's it's ridiculous because 2001 left so much up to your imagination, and it wasn't about continuity, and it wasn't about you know making sense because science. It was so much more than that. And with Nolan, it's like every single fucking thing he does, he has to explain it to us so we don't like fact check him or something. It's it's insane. You're writing science fiction, man. You can fucking make up things. It's cool. Right. We're not gonna yell at you. Yeah. And seriously, if, if you're a nerd who goes online and is just like, well, you know, the triple lightsaber in Star Wars, uh, the new trailer, it's just dumb because that's not a, that wouldn't work, scientists. Fuck off. Seriously, yeah. fuck the yeah. fuck off. I love your nerd voice, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I had a, um, I had a, I had a student um, who told me that he liked it, and um, I was asking him why, and, and uh, not like defensively, but just like, oh, what, like what, uh, what God is not dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you need to write on this piece of paper that Christopher Nolan sucks. Or do you... <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> um, no I, I was just asking him, like, oh, what did you like about it? And um, w- without, like, telling him what I thought about it. And um, mm. um, which I, I think he w- he felt like he was on the spot, but he, it came down to him saying, like, yeah, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, uh, supported it and the science is just really good. And, like he said that, but I, I think my my analysis is that like he was just saying that like that was that was like a reason that sound maybe would sound like smart way if you didn't know how to articulate the fact that you liked it, mm-hmm. which is fine. But like yeah. that's like a product of like all of these like this stupid discourse about is the science good enough? Is it close? Is yeah, it- yeah. It's like there's there's value in in realism. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's that's ridiculous. I ask all I ask from my science fiction movies is that you remain consistent. If you tell me one thing, then you kind of stick with that, and it makes sense logically in the world that you create for your movie. Uh, but the fact that it's like oh, I like this movie because you know it was a, this big science fiction spectacle, but it could totally happen because the science is real. Like that's it's insane. Who gives a fuck? These are movies, man. They're fucking right. movies. You do all right. kinds of shit. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, All right. You're worrying. Well, <laughs> well, I feel like uh, we've belabored that point. Yeah, we 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 have. So, hey, if you uh, love Interstellar, you can tell us why. You can tweet at Optimus. Oh, oh I, that, that, was, that, was, that was one more thing I was gonna say. Like, so after I saw it, I was kind of, um, I was expecting there to be a lot of smart people talking about the movie, um, in ways that like shared the same sentiments as I did. But a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of like people like it a lot. Yeah, we're in the minority, man. Which is yeah, it's not it's a popular weird. opinion to have. Yeah, it's weird. Yep, it's gonna make a lot of a uh, lot of top ten lists at the end. And speaking of top ten lists, Sean. Hey. Oh my God, a segue. <laughs> you guys hear me patting myself on the back right now? Um, we want to talk a little bit about kind of we're not going to do like a definitive like this is my best shit at the end of the year you know whatever uh, just we're going to talk a little bit about something that you really enjoyed this year uh, whether it's an album movie television show video game uh, sex dungeon whatever <laughs> a particular brothel that you're fond of a uh, short list of this year's sex dungeons I don't know yeah I don't know either. It's like picking a favorite butt plug, you know? It's it's a shame you only have one butthole. If I could only use them all. <laughs> I do occasionally I do occasionally go with two and I use one like a pacifier, but you know. Oh um, well, yeah, you got other holes. I mean You got holes. If you got Norifice, use it. That's what I always say. <laughs> but anyways, go ahead, Sean. 
Oh, you want me to go first? I, yes. I think we should defer to Steve. I think Steve oh, the other go. Steve. Okay, Steve Coleman, go. Okay. Uh, well, what are we starting? Are we starting in any specific? Yeah, yeah. Let's Anything. do that. Anything. Let's, let's well, start okay. with. Uh, let's do. Let's do albums and then uh, uh, film and then TV. Fair okay. enough. Okay. Um, well, my pick for at least my favorite album of the year. Not saying this is the best album of the year, but my favorite album that has come out in 2014 was uh, Y Oaks Shriek. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, Y Oak, it's essentially a duo composed of uh, Andy Stack and Jen Wozner. I don't know if they're... Andy Dick is doing couple... music now? Is this death metal, Steve? What is this? It's Andy a, it's... Dick death metal album. Did I say Andy <laughs> Dick? I meant no. Andy Stack. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> If it were Andy Dick, my my goodness. <laughs> it's all but anyway, bad. sorry, we sorry. That's <laughs> no, fine. Um, so I mean, it's, I guess you could categorize them as sort of folky meets pop rock. Um, I've heard the term new gaze mentioned too, which Ooh. is basically shoe gaze, but uh, not as uh, morose and depressing. Huh. <laughs> um. And uh, so at least their uh, first few albums, um, specifically like a Civilian from 2011, um, sort of has like that folkier sound to it, but you know with a bit more of a pop rock edge. Uh, Shriek's a bit more of a departure. They introduce a lot more electronic sounds to the record, um, and it's um, I don't know, just a really fucking good record. And uh, I've been reading like some of the top ten lists that have been coming out through like AV Club and I don't know if Pitchfork has theirs out yet. Um, sure, sure. Although I don't think they gave it a particularly fit. I don't know, 7.2, that's good, right? On Pitchfork? That's pretty good. Well, that's like the standard well, there's Pitchfork. The, there's, the, um, there's the Pitchfork's reading of what's good and then there's like the real person reading of what's good based on the Pitchfork reading. Mm. So usually, usually like a 7.2 to 7.4 on Pitchfork is usually like really good. Okay. And then, well, and then, yeah, you can vice versa with like a nine point five. It'll be interesting to see if this shows up on like their top list of like right. best albums of the year. Um, I know it just missed a few people's ballots on the AV Club, mm -hmm. um, but then again, I saw one of the critics was trying to vie for a Lenny Kravitz album. So, Holy uh, shit! <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, Lenny Kravitz. He just wants to eat a Milky Way. A fucking <laughs> Milky Way. <laughs> <laughs> Or even stars. Jesus Christ. Just like a dragonfly. That's a good. I'm glad you mentioned that, Steve, because I remember you raving about it in the in the spring, and I meant to snap it up, and I totally forgot. Well, I will say this. Um, I mean, the whole album is great, but two of the songs are probably the songs, "The Tower and Glory," which follow each other, songs three and four. Um, are my two favorite songs of the year as well. Um, and I really, I don't know, I can't, I'm not going to like sit here and pontificate about how great they are. Uh, just go listen and enjoy. Huh. Sounds like, uh, sounds like you got, you, you could, um, write about it if you really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I really only, want to. If only you had a website to write for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got all that tears for fears stuff out of the way. Finally, I can probably, um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, do you want to go next, Sean? Or you want me to? Uh, sure. I'll go next. Um, all right. 
Do uh, it, baby. Well, well, actually, you go, because um, I don't want to steal yours. You are so goddamn sweet. Okay, uh, I'm actually... My my pick would be the same as yours, which is Run the Jewels and their album okay. Run the Jewels 2. But I'm not going to talk about that, because I know that's what you're going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about some other shit. Dang, I was um, going to do the same. I almost oh talked about God. that, too, actually. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no well, joke. I mean, we can all talk about it. Run the Jewels 2 is great. It's a collaboration between LP, who's an amazing producer, uh, and Killer Mike... Great rapper. Uh, it's just, it's good. It's great hip hop. That's pretty much all you can say about it. It's there's no filler on it either. Like no, just first track to the last one. It's fucking perfect. Great it's album. Su- yeah, it's super dense, but you don't have to get into it to enjoy it. But if you get into it more, you enjoy it more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. Front to back, awesome. Uh, other stuff I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, the band Parquet Courts. They actually put out two albums this year in less than six months. So they put out an album called Sunbathing Animal and another one called Content Nausea. And uh, it's been cool to watch them sort of grow as a band over the last year. They put out an album in 2012, I think, uh, called Light Up Gold. And it's your kind of standard issue, indie, punk rock, whatever. It's, it's really, really catchy. A lot of the songs are just under two minutes, so it kind of has a little bit of a Guided by Voices vibe where they just they give you this kind of condensed nugget of just a really great hook, and then that's it. They just leave you. Uh, their new stuff is a little bit more off the beaten track, not quite as poppy. Uh, they kind of mess around with country and more with the punk rock stuff and just weird noise collages all over the place, but both the albums are incredibly awesome. So, yeah, check, I guess check them out. Uh, if you had to pick one track, I'd say... The title track from Content Nausea, if you download that and you like it, you'll dig Parquet Courts. I can vouch for that, too. I've heard both of them, and they're uh, they're excellent. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember if you have any like personal connections with them, Steve, but uh, if you do, uh, I know they play around with their name a little bit, depending on who's... who's oh, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I, I, don't, I don't have any personal connections, but since uh, actually it's about... You know ethics in optimism, vaccine journalism. <laughs> I will disclose that they they have sent me free stuff before. Oh, uh, interesting, interesting, mm, interesting, interesting. Full disclosure. No, only because I I write for a music blog too. So uh, they sent me say, they sent was, me a mixtape one time. It was great. I was just gonna say um, I only want your connection so I can uh, recommend that if they ever want to play around with their name on an album, they should be called Peanut Buster Parfait Courts. I think that's an excellent. Idea. I'm gonna actually. I'll, I will email them personally. <laughs> In fact, I will not even email them. I have one of their phone numbers because in the mixtape they sent me, there's on the inside. It's like, hey, do you like this mixtape? Call so and so from the band and let us know. Oh. So I'm gonna call him and I'll leave him a voicemail and I'll yeah, peanut butter but- parfait courts. <laughs> All right. Yep. <laughs> so now I'm gonna get all those financial kickbacks from them because they're rich. <laughs> yeah. You know we're colluding and we're unethical. It's kind of kind of our thing here at Optimism Vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So my pick, um, besides Run the Jewels too, um, which I still can't l- stop listening to, and it's free. We should mention that it's free. So anybody who's like, oh yeah, I should look into that, like, it's it's free. Just download it. Um, <laughs> Steal that shit. Anyway. It's not even stealing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Killer Mike would probably be happy if you found a way to steal it, even if it was free. Anyway. Um, Rob a Best Buy. 
<laughs> from a bet, yeah. <laughs> this Don't is how do much that. It, this is how much it costs on our on the website. So I'm just gonna take it for that much. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> my my pick. Um, um, I guess if I was like hard pressed to pick one, uh, would be the how to how to dress well album. Um, it's the dude's third album. Um, I can't even remember what it's called, but it's it's the album has a close-up of his face, and it's like a really depressing title. Um, but I, I can't remember because I just listened to the 2012 one and the 2014 one. I sort of doubled up. But uh, they're both um, fantastic, and if you don't know him, um, he started off as like this uh, more more like lo-fi. Um, uh, he, he's like this little white dude who takes like R&B cues without it being like in, indie like appropriation of So he's a lot like Macklemore is what you're saying. <laughs> uh yeah, but a better haircut. Um ah, no. 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 So, so he takes he takes these like these cues from R&B uh without making R&B uh appropriation, but like uses them for this this like really weird like visceral I mean and he just talks about I guess like relationships and stuff like that, but in 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 like Ways that are, um, I don't know. It's it's emotional and it's cold and um, I don't know. It's just moving stuff and it's really hard to sort of pin down what it is. But um, it's the type of music you, you got to spend some time with um, and sort of like let it get in your head. But yeah, how to dress well. Um, and if you just want to like listen to a song, um, my favorite song off the new album is "Words I Don't Remember," and that is. Um, there's like a, a, um, it's a tough Jeopardy category. Words I don't remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's, there's no, no. There, there's an original music video for it. So, um, yeah. Listen to that. All right. Good shit. Uh, do you guys want to talk about TV, movies, anything like that too? Sure. Yeah. All right. So I suppose I got to start. Then there we go. Yeah. What do you got, again? Coleman? What do you got? Uh, Broad City. Um, I mean, there was a lot of really good TV, I think, this year. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, TV sucked this year. I vehemently disagree. Who said that? People. People are talking. No, name them. Name them. <laughs> name them. Was it A.O. Scott? God damn it. I, 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 well, legitimately, I did see a headline, I think, that said, like, well, TV wasn't that great this year, but we're still going to count down the best. Oh, wow. So... I, uh, it, well, it may have been AV Club. I don't want to throw them under the bus again. No, I think but. they they have like a two part. They just put out a two piece thing of the best TV, and yeah. it, like all of them were really good. But I I'm gonna go with A.O. Scott, even though I have no idea. I don't know either. Seems like yeah. a good guy to throw under the bus. I should do better <laughs> research. <laughs> we still uh, love you, Steve. What's so great like, about Broad City? I haven't watched it yet. Um, what's so bad about Broad? City? No, I said what's so great. What's so great? <laughs> yeah, why does it suck? I thought you said, why is it so bad? Um, I think it's the best show that's premiered on Comedy Central in the last 10 years. Ooh. Wow. I really think that. Um, Hot take. And that's not to, um, at least as far as like an actual sitcom or an actual series. Um, you know, like I think obviously like Key and Peele would be up there as well, but I'm thinking out of the realm of sketch comedy and into just a situational television series. Um, sure, sure. And uh, like... Both of the characters, um, they're very well... I mean, they've been doing Broad City for years as a web series. Um, Alana and... Uh, God, I can't remember the name of the other... 
member of the duo of Broad City. I don't know. Great. Great. Just the other, the other broad right in, in the city. The other broad <laughs> in the city. Um, but yeah, so like they have like this great chemistry and the dynamic is perfect and the stories are outrageous, but like the the stories are just perfectly plotted. It's very well written um, and it's hilarious. <laughs> I guess that's the most important thing. Um, and uh, I, it's a very, um, I think it's a very important show for Comedy Central as well. Um, sort of busts out of the um, boys club mentality that I think Comedy Central has. Um, right now, yeah. the obvious exception would be Amy Schumer's show, which again, is just, it's a sketch comedy show, which doesn't mean it's any less better than Broad City, but I think it's the most unique series they've had um, in a long time, and uh, I'm really excited to see what they do next season. All right. Hey, Sean, I cut your mic for a second there. Uh, it sounded like you were, I don't know, in, like, Beirut or something. I heard a bunch of gunshots. <laughs> oh, sorry. I yeah, I just uh, was doing some um, citizen journalism for a second. Oh, there we go. Okay, that's fun. That's what we should do for optimism vaccine. Let's just go to uh, fun exotic locales and then we'll uh, drink PBR and talk about it. Kind of like Vice. Vice. Yeah, you know, we're in Syria drinking a PBR. What's what's <laughs> up with Syria? <laughs> where can you get a bomb? Yeah, where like, where do you get bombs? And by bombs, I mean Jaeger bombs. Hey. Oh. <laughs> oh, look out. Hey, now. Um, okay, so I guess also. My, my pick, I, I, don't, I don't have any big TV things, really, that I, that I watch. Like, I always catch up with things later, so I watched, like, all of Game of Thrones this past year, but that makes me someone from, like, 2008 or something. So um, my big thing that I, as far as movies go, I'd say Birdman was awesome. It uh it, it kind of has this this thing where it mimics a just one shot throughout the entire movie, so it looks like there's no edits, and that's really cool. It's got this really neat jazz drumming soundtrack. Um, a lot of a lot of meta stuff going on in there. I don't want to spoil too much of it. It's just it's really fucking good. Just go and see it. Uh, it it'll give you it'll give you faith in Inaritu again. Uh, right. Lord knows that guy hasn't done anything oh worth gosh. shit in quite some time. Babel and twenty twenty one grams are just trash. Yeah, not 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 a fan, not a fan. I wish Byros was here because he he defends the guy a lot more than I do, but uh, I, I like Morris Barros a lot. But oh, that movie that. that movie's outstanding. Yeah, and twenty one grams is his jingle all the way too. <laughs> Hot take. Why don't you write that for Optimism Vaccine? There's some. Ooh, I should. There's yeah. some clicks. <laughs> clicks about. Um, a movie from like eight years ago, uh, mm-hmm. referencing a movie that's new that nobody watches because it didn't even barely get like a DVD press. Exactly. I, I, right this, up our this, alley. Is, this is how BuzzFeed does it, man. There's an algorithm, <laughs> and I think we found it. That's how you do it. Um, uh, yeah, Bird, Birdman's great. You saw Birdman, right, Sean? I didn't. No. Oh, you motherfucker! And I don't no. think Steve saw it either. I haven't gotten no. to. It. Oh my god! I right, fully well, intend to, especially now. Yeah, well, fuck both of you. Go see Birdman. It's pretty great. I, I thought it was uh, pronounced Birdman. Birdman? Yeah, Birdman. Ingmar Birdman. Uh, go and see it. Go and see it. And as far as TV goes, I'm going to tell you something that you need to watch on television. Okay. You may have noticed that occasionally on Optimism Vaccine, we talk about wrestling, okay? And there are some people, I'm not going to name names, so I'm not going to tell you that people like Sean hate wrestling. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> But there was a uh, a special event last night for 
the WWE's kind of like developmental uh, thing program. It, it's called they're called NXT. Anyways, they had a special last night. It is the best wrestling thing they've done this year. It's better than anything on the WWE main roster. It's amazing. If I was going to try and convert someone into actually watching wrestling, I would show them the pay-per-view from last night. That's how wow. good it was. Yeah. You should find somebody then. So it's called... It's It, it has a horrible name, too, so this is going to be hard to, to recommend, but it's called NXT R, the letter R, Evolution. So it's not Revolution or R Evolution. It's just R, the letter R, Evolution. It's... It's fucking stupid. It's really good, though. It's so good. I swear to God, if you don't like wrestling, if you think I'm an asshole, fuck you. Watch that shit from last night. It's fucking brilliant. Eat shit. Okay, what do you got, Scott? <laughs> Again, well, king um, of the segue. Um, Steve, I, I really like your Broad City um, um, mention. Uh, and Comedy Central is just, like, they're ridiculous right now. Um, Key and Peel like just saved themselves from jumping the shark, um, like they did last season or almost did last season. Um, Nathan for you was really great this year. Oh God, how can I forget Nathan? Um, for you. Review. Oh, Nathan for you was great. Review. Review is amazing. Yeah, review is great. I don't um, even know what that is. Jesus. Oh man. Um, yeah. So so, review was one of the ones that Myros was gonna do. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I'll kind of speak to that. And I rewatched one of the episodes, the space episode with Fred Willard. Um, basically, Andy Daly, who's Comedy Bang Bang alum, um, comes on. And Mad TV. And Mad TV. Uh, he, he has, like, the show um, is, like, him reviewing life. So he, he's a reviewer, but he doesn't review um, TV or films or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people tweet in and say... Um, I want you to tweet, or I want you to review cocaine, or I want you to review, <laughs> I want you to review like uh, prom night, um, or pancakes, um, and then divorce. Divorce is one of them, uh, <laughs> and so, so he's um, very determined, very determined to his cause. <laughs> what channel is this on? It's on Comedy Central. It's on Amazon Prime. Ooh. Um, I've got that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just fantastic because like what seems um, even in the first episode you can see this like it seems like just like a, a very sketch type thing where um, it's like okay I'm gonna do this and it's gonna be funny and then move on to the next subject um, even in the first episode you see that there's like a narrative that's being um, cultivated and then it turns into like a whole season long narrative just like. Uh, a regular sitcom, and it's it's sort of brilliant, like the way that that's done, um, and it's just really really funny. And I I, I know that there's a second season coming out. Um, you got a movie that you like? What's what's your pick for movie of the year? Yeah, um, I it, it's hard it's hard. Uh, Boyhood's probably the best one, but I don't want to talk about that because everyone's gonna talk about it or write and about it. And you can read about it. And you can read yeah you can read my review about it. Um, On optimismvaccine.com. <laughs> Powered by Squarespace. Um, <laughs> no, but actually, um, uh, this this film might make a good companion piece to something like uh, um, Broad City. Um, is Obvious Child? Um, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Obvious Child is um, what, what's the actress's name? Uh, Jenny Slate. Yeah, Jenny Slate. Um, 
she plays this woman who's going through a breakup, and she's a stand-up comedian, just as she is in real life. And um, so she has a relationship, and um, or some some sort of relationship, and she gets pregnant and has an abortion. But that's not a spoiler. Like the movie's about spoiler alert. <laughs> no, it 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 was sort of being like touted as like this abortion movie, but it, it's sort of it, it's it's really nice the way that the movie underplays that because like. Like that's the statement is that it's not even worth talking about mm-hmm. that she's having an abortion, but um, it's a um, so it's very much of its time and and um, it's just a like realistically it's just a really good traditional romantic comedy, huh. um, and I think it's going to be one of those movies in like years down the line where people people will be like, oh yeah, this is good movie, but why why do people think that it was like better than like I don't know uh, you've got mail or something. Um, because it, it because it's so so powerful for like right now because of the way that we mm. think about abortion right now, um, and and that's gonna um, hopefully get lost um, as we move on. All right, Can I've I heard press? it described as the spiritual successor to Big Daddy, starring Adam Sandler. Is that true? <sighs> I would go with Little Nicky, but okay, sure. all right, sure, sure. Hey, um, could I could I plug a movie? Sure, you can plug anything you fucking want. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing hey, TV hey, and movie. Hey, why don't you plug your mouth? You had your chance to talk, pal. That's, that's above your pay grade. It is true. <laughs> Folks listening out there. Yeah, if um, you ever want to make zero dollars like Sean. <laughs> go ahead. I, um, well, I agree with Sean about um, The Obvious Child. That would have probably been my pick, actually, too. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, instead of being redundant, I'm just going to throw out uh, the one I love. Which is uh, with Mark Duplass from the League. Oh, it's not the movie you love. It's actually called the one I love. The one I ah, love. The oh, movie is hey, called the one hey. I love, and not the REM song either. Wow. <laughs> so would you say so? This one goes out to that, right? This. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck REM, by the way. Jesus <laughs> Every dad in the world thinks it's like the best. Anyway, um, the uh, speaking of dad bands. Um, we weren't talking about dad bands. Anyway, <laughs> god damn it. Um, so the one I love, Mark Duplass from The League, uh, Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men play a couple that are on the verge of being divorced, and their therapist, played by Ted Danson, suggests that they go on this retreat to this cabin, or like this like cabin, and there's a guest house on this land that he knows of, and he claims that all the couples who go there, always wind up fixing their marriage, and I really don't want to give away the major plot point because it could be a, a big spoiler. Okay. Um, but it's presented as just a very traditional, like, we're breaking up, and kind of like a scenes from a marriage kind of thing. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but it's not it's, in uh, Swedish? Not in Swedish. Okay, And it's, it's uh, only an hour and a half long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it takes this really, really bizarre turn, and it's not like anything you would expect. Where can um, we watch that? You can watch it on Netflix. It Ooh. is available on Netflix. It just got onto Netflix about a week ago. It had a very limited theatrical release this year. Um, I think just this came out sometime in like July or August. Um, hmm. it's on, but it's on DVD, Blu-ray, and then um, Netflix. So if you're a fan of The League and a fan of Mad Men... A uh, fan of the uh, mumblecore genre, um, or just or just a fan of Netflix, just a fan of Netflix, or just a fan of movies, a fan of life. <laughs> this one's for you, baby. 
that, that was that was very convincing. That's a good back of the box quote. But yeah, check it if out. If you like um, living, you should watch this. Uh, what if Netflix? Right. Like, so fact, you... the fact that you um, uh, this is kind of a tangent. So if you're if you're a listener and you're like, okay, I, I'm done with this, so like you can turn it off. But uh, <laughs> um, the, you were talking about how it just turned on to Netflix. But uh, what if there was like a while supplies last on Netflix thing? Like uh, things went up. And like they allowed like, depending on the movie, like five hundred to like fifteen hundred or like or five. Oh Jesus! Like five million downloads or something like that. Nobody would ever leave home. <laughs> million oh. dollar ideas. We're full. Yeah, of them maybe we should edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Aha. Um. All right. Well, actually, we're we're kind of pressed for time right now, guys. We uh we went a little bit long, but this is our end of the year spectacular. And normally we'd come back and do this in two weeks, except that's not the case because two weeks from now is Christmas. So we will join the rest of Optimism Vaccine Nation. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea of that. Uh, we're we're gonna we'll be back at the beginning of the year. All right. So don't don't worry your pretty little heads. But before we go, real quick, uh, anything you want you guys want to put over real quick? I know we just talked about. You know, end of the year, best of the year stuff. Uh, things I want to put over. Uh, we didn't talk about video games, best of the year. The game Shovel Knight is amazing. It's a little indie title. It's cheap. It's perfect. Fucking download it. Uh, and the other thing I want to put over today. You can watch a video on Optimism Vaccine about it. Yes, there is. There's a great video on Optimism Vaccine about it that you can look up. Uh, the other thing I want to put over today is I read an article today on Medium.com called Ghosts of Fast Food Past. And it's by Sarah Baird? Sarah Bard? It's amazing. Google it. Look it up. It's, it's really cool. She just talks about how in the city of New Orleans, there are all these fast food restaurants. And after Katrina, you know, they got fucked up and they shut down. And the fast food places didn't come back. So they were, they were taken over by other businesses. But they still look like Pizza Huts and Taco Bells and things like that. So it kind of uh-huh. changes your perception of, of what the business is. It's amazing. Read it. Uh, you guys got anything you want to put over? Yeah, uh, undergroundnewyorkpubliclibrary.com. What? Uh, I'll say it one more time. Undergroundnewyorkpubliclibrary.com. <laughs> I love it. Is, is that pictures of books covered with dirt, or like what's what's the uh, close? Ah. Um, if you consider the human race dirt, then yes. <laughs> um, do I ever? Let me tell you about it. I do by and large for. Um, We're doing a shock um, jock thing now. Just so you know. Yeah. Regular uh, Tom Likas is over here. Um, <laughs> you better believe it. You better believe it. Um, we um, what the hell is it? Oh, Underground New York Public Library. Uh, it's an ongoing photo essay of uh, people reading books in the subway. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like wow. reading actual books, and it sounds ridiculous. And like, why would you even be interested in something like this? But I don't know. I find it to be a very fascinating look at just sort of like growing. And a lot of the pictures will usually show somebody reading an actual book next to somebody reading something off of like their Kindle or their iPad. Right. Um, so it's sort of celebrating the slowly dying era of the dead tree book. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting to see what people are reading on the subway. Huh. <laughs> you. you um... And for the record, you love New York, don't you, Steve? Oh, I I heart New York. I mean, pizza. <laughs> bagels. Forget about it. Hot dogs, bagels. Uh, forget what about, about it. What about that uh, that Liberty statue they got there? I hear that's a good attraction. Uh, forget about it. Forget about it. 
Um, okay, uh, I would say I just watched the other night um, the movie Enough Said, which is from last year, um, 2013. Um, it's uh, I think I I think it's James Gandolfini's last movie. If not if not, it's like his last movie that he's like the star of. Um, him and Julia Louis Dreyfus um, play divorced um, parents, and their kids are going off to college, and so they're becoming sort of like these young empty nesters and they're trying to learn how to date um, or not not necessarily each other but then they're trying to learn how to date each other and um, there's a there's a sort of a central conceit that I won't that I won't get into um, but the movie it's um, the director is um, Nicole Holofcener I can't remember how to pronounce her name um, but uh, it's it's really good it's it's sad but um, nice just really nice movie, um, and obviously Dreyfus and Gandolfini are amazing. Um, and there might be a piece showing up soon. Ooh. Oh. Teaser. Hey. Hey, it, pay, it pays to listen to the end. All right, guys. Uh, well, thanks for uh, doing the podcast today. So Steve Coleman, Sean Glynis, you're both wonderful people. Adam Myros, if you're out there, if you're listening, I hope you're not dead. I hope you uh, hold yourself up by your bootstraps out of that puddle of vomit that you were in. And, uh, yeah, we will be back at the beginning of the year. So enjoy Christmas. Or don't. Well, it could just be stopped.